to the first double digit episode of the Desert Shift. I'm your host, Chase Beardsley, alongside fellow host Tyler Cass. Before we get into this podcast, uh, first off, Tyler, how are you doing today? I'm doing very, very good because it is such a nice day here in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, back in the 90s, almost 100 degrees outside. Love to see it. Yeah, I mean, that's always a great sign. It is very nice outside today. I will I will add on to that. Well, welcome to the Nick Ritchie podcast. We'll talk a little bit more about that. We got a couple things to speak about today. We have some more eliminations. We got some more clinching. We got some Eric Carlson news. We got some NCAA news. And we got some great quotes around the NHL. Tyler, I mean, what do you want to start with today? You want to start with clinching or elimination? Let me start with the clinches. All right, we're going to start positive today. All right, well, we had four teams that have clinched in the past week. Uh, all of them are Western teams. Um, would you like to start with Dallas? Sure. All right, Dallas it is. So the Dallas Stars clinching the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um they currently have a record of 45, 21, and 14 with 104 points. We get some thoughts from you about Dallas while I pull up the stats. Uh, I think the Stars are, are an interesting team because I, I think that they're a, a really good team. But, um, like, at the same time, you know, you look at them, and I don't think anybody's picking them to go all the way. They're just like a team that people think are, are good um, but, you know, don't have what it takes. And, I mean, this is a team that was just in the Stanley Cup Finals uh, in the 2020 in the bubble. I mean, they have a really good team, some really good veteran players that know what it takes to win. And, uh, I mean, I, I like the Stars. I, I, I think that they could be a dark horse team to go all the way. Jason Robertson leads the way with 46 goals. Rope Hints with 36. <coughs> Excuse me. And then Jamie Benn having a career resurgence this season. 33 goals. Then assist department, Robertson and Heiskin in their tide, 60 assists each. And then Joe Pavelski, who recently hit 1,000 points uh, yesterday, actually, uh, 49 assists. Um, so in points all together, Jason Robertson, 106 points this season. Joe Pavelski with 76. Jamie Benn with 75. And then we look at the goals against average real quick. Uh, that is being led by Jake Ottinger, obviously. 2.41 goals against average. Scott Wedgwood with 2.76. We look at the save percentage, 0.918 for Ottinger. Scott Wedgwood with 0.916 save percentage. Uh, I mean, first off, Dallas started really hot this season. If Ottinger wasn't injured, I feel like he would be in contention for the Vesna. As he, I think he already is in contention. I think he's not a top three guy right now, but if he had continued that play from the beginning of the season, I think he would have been. He was incredible. He was showing people that the uh, seven-game series against the Flames last year wasn't a fluke. I think they have one of the best goaltenders in the league here, especially in the Western Conference at least. And then I think Wedgwood is a really good backup goaltender, really underrated backup goaltender in my opinion. I really like that top line, uh, Robertson, Hintz, and Pavelski. I mean, that line is so sick. Maybe one of the best lines in the Western Conference. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I think this is going to be a better playoff run than last year. Obviously, it was cut short. Uh, Johnny Goudreau scoring the OT winner in Game 7. Um, especially with the resurgence of Jamie Benn, which is great for everyone. 
Um, I think I think this team is has what it takes. I like the addition of Max Domi uh, during the trade deadline. Wyatt Johnson is having a pretty decent year. Uh, you got Miro Heiskanen having a really good year. Uh, even the getting Dadnov trade is looking really, really good for Dallas. Basically, everyone except a player I'm about to mention is having good years, except Tyler Sagan. He has 48 points this season, especially on that contract. This is maybe the second, third down year in a row since that 2020 uh, bubble run. Uh, it's just it's just disappointing to see that. Um but, I mean, you got Jamie Ben going. You got your top line going. You got your top uh, defenseman going. I think the Stars team can really do some damage in the playoffs. So, leaping off that, what do you think are the Stars' ceiling? I, I, like I said before, I definitely this is, think this is a dark horse team to, to win the Cup. Just because I think of the combination of both, like, these young stars who have really broken out, like Robertson. Hintz has been good for a while. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Heiskanen showed in the, in the bubble how good he is. And I think of that with the combination of, like, the veterans who are, you know, their careers are coming close to the end who are just hungry, like uh, Ryan uh, Suter, Pavelski, yep. Jamie Benn. So I think that those, the combination, the two could really, uh, like, they could all push each other and they, they could make another run to the cup. And, I mean, Kudobin was great in that, that bubble. He was arguably the best goalie in the bubble outside of Vasilevsky. He probably was. Mm. But, I, I mean, um, Ottinger is such a good goalie. If he could even put up a, something a little bit under than what Kudobin did in, in the bubble. I think they could go right back to the cup. Um, I, 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 the only thing that I'm like a little worried about is DeBoer because mm-hmm. we've seen him choke a lot in the playoffs. I mean, he's gone to the, the cup before, but he has never won it. So I think he's a good coach, but uh, he's one of those guys where I don't know if he has what it takes to bring him over the top. Yeah, you do mention Peter DeBoer. As a Sharks fan, I have a little bit of experience in the Peter DeBoer department. I mean, the thing with Peter DeBoer is that the first year that he takes over your team, they go all the way to the Stanley Cup final. And we saw that with the Devils, and we saw that with the Sharks. It could very well happen here with the Stars. And I do agree with you. I think this team could potentially win a Stanley Cup. I think that is the ceiling for them. Um, I would just be worried about uh, the third round who they would face, either the Kings or someone like that. If they face the Kings, I think I would be a little bit nervous, but if it's the Golden Knights or someone like that, I think the Stars have this in the bag. But before that, they do have to play the Avs. They've taken care of the Avs recently before. It could very well happen again. Speaking of the Avalanche, the defending Stanley Cup champions have officially glitched. It's Colorado time, baby. Um, Colorado is currently first in the Central Division. They have a Game in hand against Dallas, that's why. But they have a record of 49, 24, and 6, 104 points. Let's check this team out with the stats. Mika Randon, incredible year, 54 goals. Nathan McKinnon with 39, and Arturi Lekkinen with 20. Uh, Cisco to McKinnon with 68, Kale McCarr with 49, and Mika Ranson again, 48 point, or sorry, 48 assists. Nathan McKinnon leads this team, 107 points. Mika Randon in second place. 102 points. Kale McCarr with 66 points. Goals against average. There's a whole bunch of goaltenders they've been using. We're going to focus on the main two. Uh, that's going to be Alex Georgiev, 2.54 goals against average. Pavel Francouz, uh, 2.61 goals against average. We look at save percentage. Georgiev, really good year. 0.919 save percentage. Pavel Francouz with a 0.915 save percentage. 
What do you think about the Abs? Um, I I don't think this is as good of a team as that one and all last year, but it's also a, still a really good team. I mean, you can't count these guys out at all, um, especially coming off uh, their Stanley Cup win last year. But to me, a large part of it depends on Landis Cog, um, how healthy he is, if he comes back in the playoffs. I think he's supposed to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, the guy has not played a single game all year in the NHL. It's not the easiest thing to just come back and get right into playoff speed. Yeah. Um, but I, I think, you know, having their captain on the ice is just so big. And uh, also, uh, I think that the lack of having a true second-line center is going to hurt them a little bit. Um, because last year they had Kadri, a guy that they could put out against other teams' second lines. I think... Um, obviously, they're still a really good deep team, but I think that definitely hurts them a little bit, especially going against teams who have really good second and third lines. Um, but, I mean, it's still the Avalanche. They're still probably the most talented team in the league with with uh, McCarr, Devontae's on the back end who are so good, and then obviously Ranton and McKinnon up front. But, I mean, it's just a team you, you can't count out after winning the whole thing last year. So, um even though I don't think they have as good of a team as they had last year, uh, I, I still think that they could easily go back-to-back. I mean, they did add a center during the trade deadline, Lars Eller. I really did like that addition from them. Look, it's the Abs. We know them. <clears throat> um, as Nathan McKinnon is having a fantastic season. Not to mention, we talked about this a little bit before the uh, podcast, but he was injured a decent chunk of the season. Um, also, Miko, I got to mention Miko Ranson. He's having an incredible season. Um, I look at this team, and I I think they could be like the Tampa Bay Lightning, where they're constantly making cup finals. They're constantly going deep into the playoffs. I mean, if you have that core of Nathan McKinnon, Miko Ranson, Kale McCarr, Valeri Nichushkin, Devontae's, and Bowen Byram, and Gabriel Landeskog, you have that core of six. And you have a, some decent goaltenders here as well. Um, Georgiev has been fantastic for them. That's looked like a great trade for them. You're going to go far in these playoffs. Um, I I think the ceiling is Stanley Cup. I, I, I honestly think they can repeat. If I'm looking at the West right now, I think they're currently my favorite to go all the way again um, to at least the Stanley Cup final. I really like this team. Evan Rodriguez is another player that's been pretty decent for them, too. Um, I think this could be a really, really good team again. What do you think, Tyler? What do you think their ceiling is? Uh, definitely winning the Cup again. Um, the one thing that I'll say that worries me a little bit is the goaltending, just because I don't think Georgiev's ever played a playoff game before. Um, and, I mean, uh, if Georgiev goes down, I don't know how much I trust Francois. Obviously, both of them played uh, have a really, really good team in front of them. But um, uh, Georgiev's playing two playoff games. Never started one, though. Yeah, he did. He did? Oh, wait, no, no, he, he never didn't. started a He took a game. loss, though. Yeah. Um, but a safe percentage of .935 in yeah, those playoffs. But, I mean, um, I faced 29 shots. But, I mean, uh, I, I think that, obviously, the talent in, in front of him uh, definitely helps out a lot. And if he just plays above average like Kemper did last year, mm-hmm. then um, I don't think that it'll be a big issue. But, I mean, if if uh, their one thing that I think could be their downfall is if Georgiev isn't, uh, like, an average or above-average goalie and he plays uh, kind of like he did in the regular season with the Rangers last year. He wasn't the best goalie, he wasn't the worst, but um, the Rangers were a good team, but he was, like... Uh, 
he held them back a little bit in, in the goaltending department last mm. year in the regular season. So I think if he does that, uh, that he he could be the downfall for the Avalanche. I think uh, kind of um, arguing against that. They did have Darcy Kemper as their goaltender last year. Now, don't get me wrong. I love Darcy Kemper. He was incredible in Arizona. He helped win one of those games against Colorado in the playoff bubble. But he wasn't the best, uh, arguably, last season when the Avs went all the way. I think the Avs have that core, that experience, that coaching that gets them two playoff wins without having the best goaltending ever. But I think it all depends on... Uh, like you added, Gabriel Landeskog. I think he'll come back, but he needs to come back if the Avs want to go all the way. But I think they have a very good chance of going all the way. Uh, we spoke a lot about Dark Horses uh, earlier. This could be another Dark Horse team, Tyler. The Minnesota Wild. We thought, you know, maybe they would take a step back. We know their cap isn't the best because of the Suter, the Parise uh, buyouts. But look at them. They... Are still contending for first in the Central. Uh, let's go over some stats real quick. Minnesota, 80 games played. They have a record of 46, 24, and 10 with 102 points. Leading them in goals, who else? Kirill Kaprizov, 39 goals. Matthew Boldy with 31. And Yoel Eriksson Ek with 23. Assists, Matt Zuccarello. Ah, Matt Zuccarello leads the team in assists with 45. Joel Erickson Eck with 38, Kirill Kaprizov with 35, leading in points. Who else? Kirill Kaprizov, 74 points, Matt Zuccarello, 67 points, Matthew Boldy with 63 points. And now their goaltending tandem. Goals against average, Philip Gustafson, 2.05, Mark Andre Fleury with 2.84. We look at save percentage, a point nine three three. Save percentage for Philip Gustafson, a .909 save percentage for Mark andre Fleury. I mean, wow, that's impressive from Philip Gustafson. Talk to me a little bit about the Wild. Uh, I think if the goaltending plays um, as good as it has the whole season, especially Philip Gustafson, I think this team could definitely go on a run. I'm, I'm interested to see who they start in Game 1, though. I'm going to assume it's Gustafson, but at the same time, you have a guy like Mark andre Fleury, who has been so good in the playoffs before, won Cups, um, that, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, to look, you know, look at him and say, you know, we're not going to start you in the playoffs because he's the guy that, you know, he might not have had the best regular season, but he could step up huge in the playoffs. Um, but when I look at the, the Wilds, the, the one thing that, that scares me uh, could be their lack of scoring. And I don't say that, like, like they're a team that doesn't know how to score. Like, they obviously have guys who can get points and stuff. But uh, I think that if they go against a team like Colorado or like the Kings who score a ton, that they might not be able to score enough to, to keep up with them, even with as good as their goaltending is. So I think if they could keep them low-scoring games, then they could legitimately go to the playoffs. But if, you know, their goaltending isn't as good as it's been and these games start to get a little bit more high-scoring, they might have a struggle to keep up in some of those games. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov is so good. I just want to start with that. Um, I actually chose him to win the Rocket Richard Trophy this year. Obviously, it didn't happen because Connor McDavid decided to go off, but he's been incredible for the Wild. I would say their uh, their depth is a little scary, um, simply because Erickson Eck did get injured. We wonder if he's going to come back in time for the playoffs. Um, but you also look at their scoring. Obviously, Kaprizov with 74. Then you have 
three other guys in the 60s, and then big drop-off um, to Ryan Hartman with 37. Marcus Johansson has 45, but he wasn't even with the Wild half the season. I... And that's the only thing that worries me truly about the uh, Minnesota Wild. I love their coaching. I think Dean Evanson is such a great coach. I really like their goaltending. That tandem of Gustafson and Flurry, that could be a deadly tandem in the playoffs. That could be one of the most underrated tandems in the league, too. He's just having such a great year. And Flurry, you know, not having a career year or anything, but he's having a decent year. Um, so I wonder about their depth scoring. Uh, they did address a little bit of it during the trade deadline. They did get John Klingberg, uh, which helps on offense in the blue line. They acquired Oscar Sundquist, um, Gustav Nyquist. I don't know if he's played a game for the Wild yet, but let's check it out real quick. He's played two games with the Wild, and he has three points already. So Nyquist might go off. I really do like Gustav Nyquist, I'm not going to lie. Um, you have a lot of... Deaf guys that can that can fight and provide uh, gritty play. I just wonder about scoring. I think they'll be okay, especially with players like Sam Steele, Gustav Nyquist, um, Mason Shaw uh, down there. Uh, we talk about all of those players, and I think they can provide the scoring. So Tyler, uh, what do you think the ceiling is for the Wild? Um, I, I think the West is wide open. So like for most mm-hmm. teams in the West, I think that they could go to the Cup. Um, I don't think that they have what it takes to win the whole thing, so I'm just going to say they could get there. I, I don't think that they can win it. But um, at the same time, I, I think that this team could easily be a first-round exit again. Yeah. Um, they've made the playoffs almost every year for like the last what, 15 years, mm-hmm. and, and they pretty much lose in the first round every year except for like one. Um, so, you know, I, as much as uh, I think the Wilds could go on a run, at the same time, I... I really think that they could just lose in the first round again and just have another disappointing exit. Well, Tyler, let me ask you this. How many times have the Wild made it past the second round? Uh, I think once. You remember when that was? A while ago. 2003. Yeah. They haven't made it past the second round since 2003. The, the last time they won in the first round was 2017, 20, something like something that. Something like that. Um, did they take out the Blues that year? maybe. I don't remember exactly, but I know they've made it past the first round, I think once in the last 15 years. Yeah, so again, crazy stats. They've never been to a Stanley Cup final. They're one of the only teams not to do so yet. I think their ceiling right now is third round. I I don't think they have the experience, not even the franchise experience, to make it past the third round. I think their goaltending tandem can make it far. I think their coaching staff is really good. But I think they need a little bit more playoff experience. This is the only the second time we're seeing uh, this core in the playoffs. Because we saw them last year, obviously, of Kaprizov pretty much for the first time um, in the playoffs, making a playoff push um, with this current core, without Parisier and Suter. And they had a disappointing round against the Blues. I'll say it right now. But I think uh, they can make it past the first round. I think they'll be close, but I think they can make it past the second round. It just scares me who comes out of that Pacific division because I think the Wild could run out of gas. And I really do think um, they don't have that experience yet to uh, to make it past the, uh, the third round yet. 
Yeah, I mean, the reason I think that they could make the finals is because I feel like the West is always wide open, and we've seen so many unconventional teams that nobody was really expecting to go all the way actually go all the way in the past, like Dallas, um, St. Louis, and, I mean, even Vegas go to the finals in the and past Montreal. Years. And Montreal. I mean, they're not really the West. But they I mean, were. Yeah, so that's why I, I just think that we've seen so many teams that nobody was expecting to go on a run to actually go on a run. So that's why I, I really think that most teams in the West could could just if they get hot really go to the finals. Yeah, I, I definitely see that point. And Except this team that we're gonna talk about right now. Damn. <laughs> uh, this this the final team that's clinching uh, this week. It's the second year of the Seattle Kraken, and oh man, the Kraken have made it to the playoffs. Congratulations, Seattle fans. First off, but let's go through some stats. 80 games played, 46 wins, 26 losses, 8 OT losses, 100 points in their second year. Huge turnaround from last year. Let's talk about some players. Jared McCann, 40 goals. Impressive. Matty Beniers with 24. Daniel Strong with 21. Assist-wise, Vince Dunn, 50 assists. Jordan Everly with 43. Yanni Gord with 34. Jared McCann leads the team in points, 70 points. Vince Dunn, 64. Jordan Everly with 63. Are you ready for the goals against average? <laughs> Philip Grubauer, 2.87. Uh, I'm, I'm going to skip over to Cord because he's probably not going to be with the Kraken for the playoffs. I think he'll be in Coachella. MR Jones with 2.99. Save percentage is scary there. Philip Grubauer, 0.895. Martin Jones with a .887 save percentage. Uh, we saw this team yesterday. Tyler, you want to share your thoughts on the uh, second year at uh, Seattle Kraken? Yeah, I mean, obviously they had a good regular season. But when I look at, at the Kraken and I look at all the other playoff teams in the West, I'm like, there's not a, a team that I would take the Kraken over in a seven-game series. Um I think they had a good regular season. I think um, if they get Burakovsky back, that's huge. <laughs> um, but who knows what's happening with him. But I just think they have the worst coach out of every playoff team in the West. Um, I don't trust Hackstall at all uh, in the playoffs. I don't think he's a great coach. Um, and, I mean, their goaltending is just awful. Um, I I know Martin Jones has had his his um, his runs in the past especially with the sharks he's had some some good playoff series but he's just not good i mean philip grubauer is uh he's uh, okay i guess uh, but you know you don't really want him to be your game one starter right now um so i i just think this is easily uh the worst team in the west i might even take winnipeg over them um i i just i don't think that they're ready yet i think that uh, a few more uh, playoff experiences together as a team and a different coach and they could probably uh, go on a run soon but I just think this is a year where they're just gonna go in maybe win a game or two and then probably get losing like five or six because they're gonna end up playing the avalanche probably and that's just I think that's gonna be a rough series for the Kraken yeah um, I mean the good thing about this team there's a lot of depth scoring. I mean, you got scoring everywhere. Uh, obviously, Jared McCann, he's having an unbelievable season, 70 points. But you look further down the lineup, Burkowski has 39 points. Bjorkstrand of 44. Sprong having a great year of 46 points. Then you look further down, Eli Tolvanen with 31. Ryan Donato with 27. 
Justin Schultz with 34, Alex Wenberg with 37, like anywhere on this team, at least offense-wise and defense-wise too, you have a lot of scoring. Uh, Matty Veneers is having a great rookie season like we all expected. He's probably going to win the Calder unless Matias Michelli comes in, steals it. Vince Dunn is having a great year. If Eric Carlson wasn't having an unbelievable year and Josh Morrissey wasn't having an unbelievable year, then Vince Dunn would have the spotlight for sure. But I add to the point that you, you said, which is Dave Haxtell is not a good coach. I think he, like you said, maybe besides Pierre DeBoer, because I don't think Pierre DeBoer is a good coach either, I think Dave Haxtell currently is one of the worst coaches in that have clinched the playoff spot. I don't like his coaching at all. I think if the Kraken want to go deep in the playoffs, they should fire him. Uh, I think their goaltending tandem is terrible right now. Martin Jones loves having seasons below eight, uh, 900. Um, as a Sharks fan, I've seen it before. He can turn on playoff magic. Again, 2019, he was incredible. 2016, he was incredible. It could happen that he pulls a couple games away from whoever they're playing. I don't think Grubauer is that good anymore. I I do worry about their goaltending. I don't like their coaching staff. I love their their depth scoring. And I love their defense, but that is not a good goaltending tandem. I think, as you said, this is the first year the Kraken are going to make the playoffs. They don't have any playoff experience. I mean, uh, I actually think they have a lot of playoff experience just because uh, they have three guys on there that have won the cup before. They've had uh, guys like Everlay and uh, McCain who have gone far in the playoffs before. Um, actually, I don't know. Didn't, they can. What? Yeah, wasn't he with the Hurricanes when they went to the East Conference Finals? No. Is it with Pittsburgh then? Uh, either Florida or Pittsburgh. Uh, um, I guess I'm wrong about that. But, I mean, Everlay's been, been one way away from the cup. Burkowski, Dunn, and uh, Yanni Gord have all won cups. Um, I mean, they have some playoff experience, but I just think that as a team that they're they're not right. Even Jane Schwartz, uh, he won a cup with St. Louis, right? Yeah. Uh, Jane Schwartz and Vince Dunn won yeah. a cup with the so, Blues. I mean, I think that they actually do have the playoff experience there. I just think as a team that they don't have any and and that they they're just like not there yet and that's why i i don't think that they're they're gonna go far that's like uh, a couple guys with playoff experience like you're correct in that department but the overall team as a whole yeah like you take out like those five six guys you get a team that has first second round exits never been in the playoffs before because going down the lineup jared mccann hasn't gone that far in the playoffs maddie veneers has never been in the playoffs uh, Daniel Sprong has barely been in the playoffs. Bjorkstrand has barely been in the playoffs. Uh, keep going on. Brandon Tenev, uh, Alex Wenberg, uh, Adam Larson, uh, Eli Tolvin, Ryan Donato, Morgan Geeky, Jamie Alexiak. Was Alexiak with the stars? In yeah, that he was. Bubble run? Okay, I take that back then. But there's a lot of these guys that don't have a lot of playoff experience. Martin Jones does have that playoff experience. Philip Grubauer does not. Um, but you mentioned as a team, as an overall, I think Dave Haxtell, too, doesn't have that much playoff experience, arguably. Did he ever make it with the Flyers? Uh, I I, one year, and I think they made it to the second round. Wasn't that, was that? No, because they weren't being coached by Haxtell by then. Uh, yeah, I think they made it. That one year when they faced Pittsburgh, 2018 or something. But like I said, not a lot of playoff experience as a whole. And 
I think they need time to grow as a team. This is only their second year. Um, so I'll ask you, what do you think is their ceiling uh, for the playoffs? Um, I I don't think that they win in the first round, uh, especially if they play Colorado. So I'll say their ceiling is is winning, like taking the, the Avalanche to seven games in the first round. But I mean, uh, maybe if they if they end up don't, not playing Colorado, maybe they could squeeze out a win in the first round. But I think that at most they they go into the second round. Yeah, I agree. I think their ceiling is second round. I think if somehow in some way they play Vegas, I think they could challenge Vegas because Vegas is known to losing to way far less superior teams than they are. Um, so I think they can take down Vegas, but if they play Colorado, I think they win a game or two and then get eliminated. Um, so I would say second round, if they play the, the Golden Knights, um, is their ceiling. Um, and those are all the teams that have clinched in the past week. Uh, we'll talk about the standings in a second, but we're going to talk about some teams that have been eliminated from the playoffs. Would you like to start on the East or the... Uh, yeah, the East or the West? Go East. Yeah, because you know, we, we all know who's who's in the West. Uh, well, the first team that's been eliminated is Ottawa. RIP Ottawa Senators to rebuild was apparently done this year, but it continues. 39, 35, and 7. So they do have an above 500 record with 85 points. Your quick thoughts on the Ottawa Senators? Um, I, I kind of expected this. Um, I didn't think they were ready yet. Uh, I think um, as like somebody who wasn't expecting them to make the playoffs, I think this was a good year for their development, especially as a team. But for us looking at it as like somebody – from like the front office where they were kind of expecting to, to, you know, finally make the playoffs again. And, you know, they went kind of all in on the offseason, uh, trading for Debrinket, um, signing Giroux, and then, you know, going in at the deadline and giving up their first-round pick for Chikrin. Um, I mean, it's kind of disappointing on that front because now you don't really have a lot of your draft picks. And, I mean, uh, you, you didn't make the playoffs. So, I mean, I think it was a good year for their, like, development as a team together. So from that standpoint, but uh, I do think that that they kind of jumped the gun a little bit and kind of started going all in too early. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think this was the year I was expecting from them too, to be on the cusp of the playoffs, but not getting in. I think next year they definitely challenge for a wild card spot. Tim Stutzla having an incredible year, 88 points. Chuck's having a great year. Jeru's having a great first year. Debrinkit's having a decent year. Um... You know, you got a lot of players on here that are having really good years. Um, Jacob Sandstrom having a, a good year, too. I, it's just that, one, their goaltending was injured to crap. I mean, they had to use a couple different goaltenders. Uh, Kim Talbot obviously went down with injury. Forsberg went down with a gruesome injury. Uh, they're most likely going with Forsberg as their starter going forward. I mean, I think they would go with Sogard as their backup. Um, I think next year they definitely challenge for a playoff spot. But again, it's you got to build your team up. You got you can't expect to win all of a sudden with uh, a couple bunch of new players joining. They're going to sign resign to Brinkett. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, what else they do in the off season is going to be interesting. But next year, I mean, you get a start with a bunch of these guys now with their first uh, year with the Senators under their belt. You get a full year of Chikorin. 
I think next year they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. Speaking of that, uh, another team that could be a force to be reckoned with are the Detroit Red Wings. 35, 35, and 10, 80 points. Your thoughts on the Detroit Red Wings? Um, I think it's similar to Ottawa. I feel like they kind of they kind of jumped the gun with all their signings in the offseason. I think that they signed a lot of guys that did not make sense at all for where they were. Uh, they gave a lot of guys some terms, some some big money who probably didn't deserve it and didn't really fit their timeline. But, I mean, besides that, uh, I think it was a good year for their development. A lot of their, their young guys were good. Like, um, Jonathan Bregan was good. Um, obviously, Sider and, and Raymond. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it, this is kind of what I expected from Detroit to kind of just be, like, in the mix, but, you know, still a, a lottery team. But uh, the one thing I didn't like was was um, how they they kind of, this offseason kind of, like, went I don't know about all in, but kind of just made contracts and signed people who didn't fit their timeline at all. And I don't think it'll hurt their future at all. I just don't really think it, it made sense. You know who we thought didn't make sense in the beginning of the year? Tarot. Olimata. Oh, yeah. And he's, and been, he's been pretty good, yeah. Same he, with Jake Wallman. Yeah, Jake Wallman has been incredible I for mean, them. Guys like Cop and Tarot really didn't have great years and didn't really fit their... Well, but, uh, I mean, Kubelik and Perron were good, but I still don't really think they fit their timeline. This is actually Cop's best season in the NHL, 42 points this really? year. Yep. I think that we all kind of had pretty high expectations for him because what he did with the Rangers, and he kind of got, that kind of got him a pretty big contract. And, I mean, he's not really that good of a player. He's been decent. Uh, David Perron has also been pretty good for them. Yeah. Dylan Larkin, obviously that was a huge thing for them, getting him re-signed, yeah. and now he's re-signed, 79 points. Uh, you also got rookies like Mort Sider and Lucas Raymond. You got their third year coming up. We look forward to that. Um, I think this is pretty decent year for the Red Wings. They just need to get their goaltending tandem under control. I think Billy Huso is going to be their goaltender going forward. Obviously, Kosa is in the minors, but you got to figure out what you're going to do with Nadelkovic. He's obviously not a part of your future anymore. He's been absolutely awful. Another person who I think they should really, really um, find a new partner for is Ben Sherratt. That was such a horrible signing at the time. He has not been good at all, 19 points this season. And he got handed at one of the worst contracts possibly in the offseason. Um, so I wonder what they do with him too because I think CVY is smarter than that. They're going to get a decent draft pick. Um, they get. They also have another draft pick from uh, trading. Uh, um, why am I tripping on his name? Um, to Vancouver. Um, oh, Philip Peronic. Yep, Philip Peronic. Um, they traded Philip Peronic there. That was a great trade by Stevie Y. Um, but it's Vancouver. What do you expect? No offense, Vancouver fans. Um, and you have Simon Evanson to look forward to as well. You got a lot to look forward to. Obviously, I don't think this was the year they were going to make it. I don't think anyone was expecting that. I think they inch closer to a wild card spot next year. It's just tough to figure out because you got these uprising teams like Ottawa, Detroit, and Buffalo is still in the mix currently, but they could have a really good team next year. And then you wonder who's going to drop out, and at least in the Atlantic division, because that division is pretty stacked. Yeah. Um, the 
other team in the East that we need to talk about are the Washington Capitals. For the first time in a long time, they're missing the playoffs. Uh, 35-36-9 is their current record. We look at Washington, and what do you what do you uh, say? Um, I don't think that you could go full on rebuilds while you still have some of these guys there like Ovechkin, uh, Backstrom, Oshie, and like Carlson. But I think that they're definitely starting to retool. And I think, I mean, we saw that at with the Sandine trade. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them ship off some of these other guys like Kuznetsov or uh, even maybe maybe Tom Wilson. I don't think they do, but like Kuznetsov, maybe Mantha. Um, but I, I don't think that they'll go full on rebuilds while they still have Ovechkin. Um, I don't think he'll let them. And uh, I, so I expect just to see like a, a retool probably miss it next year and maybe they'll hope to get back in a wild card spot in a year or two obviously disappointing year but i can't say that i i didn't expect it because we kind of saw it last year where they you know they kind of barely made the, the wild card as like the eighth seed and then just got uh handed to them in the first round by a florida team that was obviously good won the president's trophy but we saw they got lit up by the pan, uh the lightning in the next round so um i i think that their time has come to an end but they're not going to let it come to an end just because they still have their core there, and they, they're going to try and make the playoffs as long as they still have them. Obviously, Ovechkin having in their great year, 42 goals. Dylan Strom has been a really bright spot for his franchise ever since getting acquired in the offseason. 63 points. He earned himself an extension. I think that's great. Another player who has done such a thing, Sony Milano, 32 points. He's been a great depth guy for them. As you mentioned, Rasmus Sandin, he has... 14 points, I believe, in his 20 games so far, or sorry, 17 games so far with the Capitals. He's been really good. So you see a lot of these new guys coming in. They've been playing great with Washington. A little bit look at Nick Abe Kubel. He's been a good depth guy too. He's one of the only plus minus dudes with a plus on the team. Um, Even Craig Smith hasn't been bad in the uh, depth role, even though his contract says otherwise. Um, so I think if they start turning their franchise to more of the younger side, which is what Pittsburgh should be doing, um, I think they'll, they could have a decent team in the next two years. Um, obviously, I think Kuznetsov, I think his time's running out in Washington. There's been a lot of rumors around him. Oshie has gotten more injury-prone every year, which sucks. Darcy Kemper hasn't been the all-star everyone, uh, well, Washington expected him to be. Um, I I just think it was time for a refresh. I think Washington is doing the smart thing. I think um, Peter Laviolette, I think he's a great coach. I just don't think he's the right coach for Washington. Um, I don't know what they do in the offseason besides continuous trend, but I think they need to understand they're probably not going to make the playoffs next year, especially with the competition in the East. Maybe in the following season they could be back. Um, yeah, I, I just I, before the season I could have not seen Washington win anything in the playoffs, and I think they're doing the smart thing that teams like them, cough cough, the Penguins should be doing. Yeah. All right, and the final team got eliminated. They got eliminated yesterday. Nick Ritchie's Calgary Flames. Your thoughts on the Calgary Flames? <laughs> um, I mean, obviously a disappointing year for them. Um, but, I, I mean, uh, it's kind of what you expect when you, you 
jumble of your entire core. I mean, you can't really expect to ship out everybody that's been together for the past, like, six, seven years. Just bring in new guys who have never played together and, you know, expect them to be this powerhouse team. Um, they have good players still, but, uh, I mean, they didn't really work great together this year. Not saying they're not going to work together in the future, mm-hmm. but, I mean, the combination of coaching and all these new guys come coming in, jumbling lines around, playing guys' positions they're not used to, it just did not work at all. Didn't help that they got way below average goaltending from both their guys, Marshram and Vladar. Um, it's just a mess in, in Calgary. Um, I think that, you know, them cleaning house, uh, getting rid of Daryl Sutter and, you know, a whole new coaching staff there will, will definitely help out. And I think um, next year, after a year of playing with each other, the guys like Huberto and, and Caudry will probably definitely start to work uh, better together. So I, I, th- I expect Calgary to be back next year to be much better than they were. But, I mean, definitely such a disappointing year for a team that – uh, there were such high expectations for them coming in. Yeah, um, they currently have a record of 37-27-17. That's crazy overtime loss. Uh, 91 points currently, but with one more game to play, so they were mathematically eliminated yesterday when they lost to Nashville. Look, I'm going to say what I've been saying for years, what I've been saying for seasons, um, Daryl Sutter and Brad Tree Living need to get fired. Daryl Sutter, obviously, for obvious reasons, he's not going to play the youth. He's not that good of a coach anymore. Respect for what he did with the Kings, what he did with the Sharks and the Flames prior times, he's not that good of a coach anymore. It's like Tommy La Russa in, um, White, in, with the White Sox in the past couple of years. Like it, he's He's got a great legacy, but the game has finally run its course. It's, gotten, it's progressed further than him. Brad Tree Living has been the most mediocre GM ever. I don't know why the Flames keep bringing him back. He is not that great. You look at his past, that Matthew to Chuck trade is not looking good at all. You look at the trades that he makes at trade deadline, they often don't end up that great. I mean, there are maybe like 10 signings and trades that I can count on my fingers that he probably did a really good job on or did a good job on. Um, But look, he's not that good of a GM and they need to get rid of him. And thank God his contract is ending because he's not that good. Speaking of the core, it's been needing to be overhauled. They did a little bit of it last season by getting rid of Gaudreau to Chuck and bringing in Huberto, Kadri. Kenzie Weaker, but you gotta overhaul this whole thing because that past core of Gaudreau to Chuck, Backland, Lindholm, like they weren't going to win anything. They were a mediocre team. And now you look at this team, and I still ask, I I don't think even if they make the playoffs, they do any damage. They were lucky last year because they got a Dallas Stars team that was carried by Ottinger, but they were kind of in the midst of retooling themselves. They were lucky to get past the first round. And now what? Like, I I look at this team, and I don't think they can do anything in the playoffs even next year, um, even with Daryl Sutter gone. I don't know could, that could come back to bite me, but I've just seen this core already. I've seen this core numerous times. I've seen Brad Tree Living put together a team numerous times that people are saying, oh, they're going to win. They're going to go all the way. No, this is a mediocre team. T- 
Tyler Toffoli has been great this season. Beyond that, who else has had great years this season? Elias Lindholm, sure. Kadri's had an okay year. Jonathan Huberto, that's a terrible year for him. Especially with that contract he's about to make. That's not a great year for him. Rasmus Anderson, pretty decent year for him, actually. Andrew Majipani kind of stepping back. Blake Coleman, I mean, he's a deaf guy, so what do you expect from him? Um, but, like, when you had players like Milan Lucic and Nikita Zadorov on your team, Chris Tanev, like, these guys aren't good. And you have all these great players from the Stockton Heat, now the Alberts, or sorry, not the Alberts, or the, the Alberta Wranglers or Calgary Wranglers. Uh, you have all these great players. Walker Dew is another great one that's going to come up. Jacob Peltier is going to be a great one. Matthew Phillips. And they have a couple college guys waiting in the wing. And most importantly for them all, Dustin Wolf. He's been incredible. He's probably the best goaltending prospect of them all. I think he's going to win Vesna's. Also, Barry, a guy, shout out. Um, I, I'm scared, honestly, what this franchise is going to do because they've never been great at accepting young players, especially Daryl Sutter. And we wonder what they're going to do with him. We think he's going to get fired, especially for that stunt he pulled the other day with putting Nick Ritchie as your person who's going to keep you from getting eliminated in the playoffs. No offense to Nick Ritchie. He was great as a coyote. How the hell? Why Why would you put out Nick Ritchie instead of Tyler Toffoli or any of these other guys? Andrew Majiapani. Like, put one of these guys out at first. You don't put Nick Ritchie out to decide your, your season. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I've been on a rant too long about these guys, but these guys are mid. These guys aren't going to win anything. They, they need the clean house. Yeah, probably. I mean, the best. I think the best thing that they could do is just, you know, if, if clean house and just hope to make the playoffs next year because you're, you're kind of too far in to, to rebuild. And, I mean, you don't really have a ton of assets to, to retool. Um, so I think you, you play the youth. You see what chemistry they have with the, the veteran guys you already have. Uh, you try try and make some runs, and, uh, you know, the, I think that's the best they could do right now. And, like, we speak about this team's future positively, but then you also look at the contracts they have. Holy crap. Jonathan Huberto, nine more years. Nazem Kadri, seven more years. Blake Coleman, five more years. Um, Mackenzie Weger, nine more years. Jacob Markstrom, four more years. Rasmus Anderson, four years. Like, you're locked into this core for around seven-ish more years. That, that's crazy to me. Like, a couple of those players are good. Rasmus Anderson. But when when you're locking these guys up in their mid, like, late 20s to these long-term contracts and you're not really getting anything from them, that is not good at all. I... I would be scared for the future if I were if I was a Calgary fan. I'd be really scared. Your team is mid right now. It looks like your team could get a little bit better. I really think Dustin Wolf is a great goaltender, and I really think that some of these pieces like Jacob Peltier, Matthew Coronado, um, you know, 
a couple of these players are going to be really good in the future. But you're still locking this all of these players. So that's my little rant on Calgary. You have anything else to say about the Flames? Uh, no. But I mean, I, I feel like that that uh, they kind of deserve this. I mean, I, I don't hate the Flames, but at the same time, I'm not like a huge fan of them. Yeah. Um, I, I like. I, I want to say I, I saw it coming, but just a, a complete like overhaul of not overhaul, but just changing around your course so much. Um, you know, you can't really expect them to be as good as they were just after one year. So, I mean, I don't think that they'll be terrible in the future, but I just think it's going to be another few years of just making the playoffs, losing in the first round. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so those are the teams that have been eliminated slash clinched in this past uh, week, but we have some other news to talk about, including our first 100-point defenseman since the 90s, Eric Carlson. Has finally done it. 25 goals, 75 assists, with 100 points in 80 games played. You want to start us off on Eric Carlson? Well, uh, it's obviously extremely impressive, I mean, doing that. And also doing it after uh, so many down years where people just completely wrote him off. Um, I mean, it's still impressive. Um, I'm not going to take away from anything he did, but, uh, I mean, he was obviously on a very bad team. So and he wasn't the greatest defensively. He still should win the Norris and and deserves it just for his offense. But I mean, uh, I just I think that this this is good for the Sharks just because he has value now. I mean, you could get something for him. I don't know if they're going to trade him, but he has value now. Something he never had in, in the past. And uh, I, I mean, it's just something that who knows if we're going to see it again for a while. I think the only guys who could could do it realistically is probably Makar. And maybe like high skin and again. Yeah, Yossi could do it. Um, maybe Yossi, but he is getting up there in age. Um, Eric so, Carlson is thirty-two. Yeah, so I think Yossi could definitely do it. But realistically, there's like two or three guys besides Carlson in the league who could hit a hundred. So who knows? It could be something that we could see soon with like Makar, but it could be something that might not happen for another twenty years. He is only the sixth defenseman in NHL history to reach a hundred points. The first since Brian Leach, who had 102 points in 1991-92. Um, two-time Norris Trophy winner. Had only 35 points last year in limited game action. Um, his previous high before that was were 82 points in the 2015-2016 season. Um, as a Shark, this is by far his most impressive season. His best season since his first season with the Sharks, where he had 45 points in 53 games. Um, you said you think he wins the Norris? Um, I, I think it's just so hard to to not give it to the guy who had 100 points as a defenseman. I mean, obviously the defense was not as good, but, I mean, I, I just can't think of anybody else who who's, you know, putting up the points uh, like Carlson did and who honestly deserves it. I mean, um, we've seen in the past that the, the Norris voters don't care a ton about defense. You know, they, they like the guys who put up points, so I just I think that's why he's a lock for it. Yeah, I agree. I think um, the fact that he did this on a really, really crappy San Jose Sharks team is just so impressive. So do you, do you think he gets traded in the offseason? Um, 
It's tough. Uh, I, I think it's all going to depend what he wants. I think right now he likes San Jose. Uh, I think he 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 kind of wants to stay a Shark, but uh, I also think that if you know the Sharks get a really good deal for him, you know this is kind of the time you have to trade him. He's coming off um, the best season for a defenseman in thirty years, um, and his value is with that contract. You know wasn't really there at all in the past, and now like legitimately you could trade him without having to give up other assets with him. And actually get good value back for him so um i think it's all gonna depend what he wants if carlson says you know i like playing here i don't think the sharks are gonna be like oh we want to trade you i think the sharks are happy to keep him um especially because you know in in two or three years you know the sharks might be starting to contend for uh a playoff spot you know they might not be ready to go all the way yet but they could be fighting uh for you know a wild card spot even in like two years and, you know, you're still going to have one a guy like Carlson there, especially with all the young defensemen they have uh, in their system with, like, Mook Madulin and uh, Henry Thrun and even uh, Kanaishov. I mean, you kind of like having a veteran guy there who could, could help them all out. Um, I signed the eight-year contract, $11.5 million to Hollers back in 2019. So he has five more years left. Yeah, and, I mean, realistically, the Sharks will be making the playoffs um, mm-hmm. before his contract ends. So, I mean, he'll he's he'll be a great guy to have when they start contending. So I don't think the Absolutely. Sharks will be too quick to trade him. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think they could trade him without even having to retain that much money. I think they could get a haul of assets for him. But I do agree, he's that type of player. Like, it's it, what he wants. Um and I think he genuinely wants to win a cup, to be honest, but it depends if he wants to wait because I do think in two, three years, the Sharks team starts to contend for a playoff spot. But Or does he want to win now and then gets traded to someone like Edmonton? We'll see. But um, really impressive season by Eric Carlson, including a four-point night recently against the Arizona Coyotes that we, we didn't go to. That was, a, that was a great game, by the way. I, I loved it so much. Um Next up, uh, Quinnipiac. I think that's how you say it, right? Quinnipiac. 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 They won the NCAA championship. What are your thoughts on the Quinnipiac? Uh, that was actually a crazy game. I was watching a lot of it, and they scored like 10 seconds into overtime, which, I mean, it was a nice goal, but I was like, I kind of wanted the overtime to run longer. But um, Quinnipiac Piek is, is a really good team. I'm really happy for their coach. He's been there for like 30 yeah. years now. Lost two national championships before. He really built up their program. He, he was, I think, their first D1 coach. He's like been there since the start. Um, I mean, they, they have a really, really good team. Um, obviously, Minnesota was great. They have so much talent. But Quinnipiac, they, you know, um, they kind of were more like underdogs, obviously. Um, and come, especially coming into the season, nobody had a ton of expectations for them. And it was just good to see them, them win. Um, the guy who had the assist on the game winning goal, Sam Lipkin, Coyote seventh round pick from 2021. He's so good. Um, like to see that. Uh, he's going to be, I think he's going to be a really good player in the NHL. But I mean, it, it was a good game. Yeah. yeah. Sucks, sucks to see uh, all those players on Minnesota lose because, I mean, they are at the same time, they're still kids. And most of them, you know, 18, 19 year olds. Um, and, you know, also you saw all of them were, like, heartbroken on the ice after losing. So, you know, it sucks that one team has to lose, but it was a great game. Yeah, that was a great OT. Love college hockey. You know, less than 10 seconds to overtime. Yeah, that was a great Selly as well. Yeah. Impressive Selly. 
Um, Rod Brindamore is also a part of that team. Skylar Brindamore. He's not going to sign with the Oilers, actually. He's going to unrestricted free agency. So it's going to be interesting what he does. Probably goes to Carolina if I, if I were to place money on it. But, uh, yeah, congratulations, Quinnipiac. The first time in their college history that they've ever done it. Um, we'll see if ASU maybe does it one day. Yeah. Uh, also, um, Brindamore, the Hurricanes had a game in Buffalo earlier that yeah, day. Yeah, it was a, so yeah, five hours ago. He, he flew from Buffalo straight to Tampa and was at the game. And so that's that's uh, impressive right there for Rod. Uh-huh. Rod the bot can do yeah. anything when he puts his mind to it. It's time to play a great game. <laughs> um, quotes around the NHL. I think you know this one. They'll get what they deserve in a few weeks. Yeah, Chris Weidman with the Canadians. <laughs> yep. Uh, on him, on the Leafs, start, uh, putting Jeff Alexander into the game uh, one minute left. Your thoughts on Chris Weidman? Yeah, um, I, I I thought that one was dumb just because um, there was a minute left and they put in um, a college goalie who's, you know, uh, wants to live out his dream. You know, it's, it's for a minute in a blowout game. I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. We already saw it happen earlier in the year with the Oilers. So I just, I really didn't think it was a huge deal of them putting in, in uh, their emergency goalie for a minute left in the blowout game. So I thought that comment was kind of dumb from him. Yeah, I didn't think it, it was that great either. Here's the other quote of the day. It's a lot better than Vancouver. I'll tell you that one for free. Yeah, I think a lot of people took this this whole thing out of context. The whole uh, interview thing was about like the the playoff atmosphere um, on Long Island, and you know the whole the whole push that was going on. Um, and he was just saying that uh, it was more of a shot at, at management. Um, and honestly, their management deserves that. Um, he, I mean, I think a lot of the Vancouver fans like took it as a shot to themselves when that wasn't the case at all. Um, because, you know, he made the playoffs two times with Vancouver. One time was in the bubble where there was no fans at all. And the other time was his rookie year where he didn't really have any experience. He was playing on, like, their fourth line. I think it was more shot at just, like, their management and how he wasn't really able to, you know, make a lot of playoff runs with Vancouver. Uh, I don't think he's taking a shot at their fans at all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you listen to his pastor interviews, and he's extremely passionate about the Vancouver fan base. Um and he loved his time in Vancouver. He thought he was going to stay in Vancouver. I think that is a shot at management because management in Vancouver is really garbage. I will say it on air. Like, it's trash. Like, Francisco Aquilini has done a terrible job. J, uh, JR has done a terrible jo- job with the team. Um, it's, just, it's just a mess. That whole organization is a mess. I think, especially for how long Horvat played there for, he has all the rights to say that. Um, got a couple more things before we wrap this up. Jared Sinorti signed a one-year extension a couple hours ago. Um, any thoughts on Jared Sinorti real quick? Uh, no, it's literally just so they could have players for next year. Yeah, so they can reach <laughs> the cap floor. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I do want to mention the Arizona Coyotes arena. Now, in the past couple of weeks, we've been having some issues. Uh, with the Coyotes Arena. Obviously, Phoenix sued Tempe. Um, and then the Coyotes sued Phoenix. 
It was a great, great little time there. Uh, let me just get up the whole, uh, the whole little dilemma here. But basically, what you need to know is that the Coyotes are going to have a vote on in May to to basically put forward the Tempe Entertainment District. Um, and if it's going to get constructed on what's currently a toxic landfill that the coyotes are going to clean up themselves. Um, the whole thing is that uh, they are they are going to pay for the arena. They're going to pay for the cleanup. They're going to do all that um, by themselves with their own money. Um, Alex Morello, obviously, um, is going to pay for it. The whole thing is um, Phoenix is suing them, basically saying, oh, it's not safe for for the airport. Uh, even though they said in the October meeting that it's okay. And not to mention, we look at Tempe and downtown Phoenix. What's all around the airport? Stadiums and housing. Exactly. The Coyotes Stadium is going to be a little bit further away from the arena, but it will be much further away than the Rising Stadium, which is practically next to the airport. You look at Chase Field and Footprint Center, and that's pretty close to the airport. Um, so if you're Tempe and you're the Coyotes, you have all the right reasons to be pissed because, one, Phoenix said they wouldn't do this. They, they didn't have any issues, and now they're suing them. And two, it's hypocritical. Um, so the Coyotes, along with Bluebird Development, announced a $2.3 billion claim against the city of Phoenix for damages caused by the Phoenix's legal filing um, because Phoenix lied. Um, and this whole... I, I, I want to speak in this for one more minute, and then I'm going to hand it off to you, Tyler, because I'm sure you have some opinions. This whole... Tempe first, this whole Sky Harbor thing is such terrible politics because one, it's hypocritical. Two, Sky Harbor, I mean, they are the m most obnoxious pricks I've ever heard from. And three, Tempe first, or yeah, Tempe first, um, other than Tempe wins. I believe it's so annoying. They're they're they have the same thing. Uh, so Tempe First is the organization that is against the whole entertainment district. Their obnoxious Twitter account and messaging is basically portraying Alex Morello as a corrupt billionaire and using a lot of dirty words against him which is not very political at all they want to not just shut down the arena but they want to shut down all the apartments and stuff even though they want to provide tempe with housing so i don't know how that makes sense their twitter account uses so many lies it is hilarious how many lies are in this twitter account um including saying the Coyotes screwed up in Tucson. The Coyotes have never been in Tucson. 
their AHL team, as far as we know of, is uh is currently uh you know doing great. They're making the playoffs. Um, they also say that ASU students, all ASU students, they said all ASU students don't like the uh, the Tempe Entertainment District. Um, I can tell you from uh, a person who writes for the women's ASU women's hockey team that no one on that team is um, against this project at all. I'm sorry. So it's funny. They also have a lot of propaganda on here where they say, oh, we're filling out this whole, like, grass field and there's only, like, ten of them. It's, it's actually hilarious. Like, I definitely recommend if you want a good laugh, come look at the Tempe First Twitter account because it's absolutely hilarious. They're, they're a bunch of clowns. Um, it's funny because 144 followers for Tempe First, 637 followers for Tempe Wins, who is for the um, Tempe Entertainment District, which, by the way, is a beautiful um, rendering and design of this incredible project that is going to bring jobs, housing, and then for hockey fans, most importantly, the Coyotes finally having a permanent rink, a permanent nice arena that looks modern. It's in the mi- it's in the middle of this nice entertainment district in Tempe where their fans are. I mean, I think I said a lot. I want I want to hear your opinions real quick, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, not only do you get do you get the whole uh, arena with the entertainment district, but think about how much stuff comes to that arena. I mean. Um, in the within the NHL, Batman has already said they're gonna put the draft there, put the All Star game there eventually. I mean, outside of that, um, you know, performers and stuff are gonna want to come play at a brand new arena. Um, I mean, and honestly, uh, if if given the choice between like footprint and this new arena, they might pick the new the brand new one. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then uh, I'm not really too worried about it passing because most of the people who are gonna be voting for it are gonna be Coyotes fans who want this whole new thing built. Um, so uh, I, I think that there's so many more people who are for it than against it. So um, I'm not too worried about it. Uh, I, I think that it'll pass. And I think that the whole lawsuit thing was just a last second thing because I think um, Tempe first knows that they're you know they're they're kind of losing this battle. Yeah. Um, they're most likely not uh, not going to win. They're they're not going to get what they want. So I think this was kind of like a last ever thing to try and shut it all down, and it's probably not going to work. Yeah, I I agree. Um, again, currently it's a landfill. Tempe First is basically saying they want a landfill over a brand new, all expense paid entertainment district. And and I just want to say, like, if Tempe First wins, then they have a landfill, and they're gonna the city of Tempe is gonna have to pay to get rid of that landfill. Meanwhile, the Coyotes want to pay for this landfill to be, you know gotten rid of and stuff. Um, and I I do want to finally mention that Tempe First hasn't just taken stabs at Alex Morello and the whole Coyotes organization. They've also taken stabs at the Tempe uh, Board of Governors, including Tempe Mayor Corey Woods, taking quotes out of context. A lot of slanderous things by Tempe First. They're a very sly, slimy organization that should really be shut down and really doesn't have Tempe first in mind. And it sucks to see that a a thing 
that is trying to protect Tempe is actually wanting the worst thing for Tempe. So make sure to vote yes if you're a Tempe resident on props 301, 302, and 303. Uh, you get a whole entertainment district that is not going to be paid by you or any of the taxpayers unless you go and purchase something on that lot. Otherwise, it's all Alex Morello. It's all him. He's paying for it all. Vote no if you want to if you want a toxic landfill and you want your mayor to be publicly shamed and humiliated uh, by a slimy organization. But again, it's a 46-acre project that has new jobs, new revenue for the city of Tempe, a new arena, new hotel, new movie theater, new apartments, new practice facility. So new practice facility, that means more hockey, more youth stuff. That's awesome for the community. Um... And again, no risk, no risk at all to Tempe. Um, any other thing to say about the, this whole situation? <laughs> uh, no, but I mean, uh, I, I'm going to see what's going to pass, and uh, it's going to be electric when uh, in in four or five years when it when it opens and the Coyotes are contenders. Yeah, you know we're going to have a uh, Matthew scoring the game seven <laughs> overtime winner to win. Bring the Stanley Cup to Arizona. It's gonna be gonna be exciting. Yeah, I mean, um, I do want to say one final thing. Obviously, it's gonna pass, but uh, you know, you look recently at hockey in Arizona. I mean, obviously the Coyotes, they haven't been good, but they're going to be good by then. They're going to be really good. But you see other hockey things like the ASU men's hockey team, obviously getting a new arena and sending their prospects into the nhl we see joey decord yesterday uh get a little shift in for in mullet arena you see josh stone uh driving with the tucson roadrunners mullet arena is driving and then you also see other hockey events you see the asu women's hockey team going all the way to nationals this season you see the phf uh host her championship game here this season it's 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 a growing game and this arena is not is obviously going to benefit uh, hockey fans all around, but it's also going to benefit the community, the revenue, and a whole lot of stuff. So that is pretty much it. We do have one last thing to take a look at, and that is the final race for the Eastern wildcard spots. The West is pretty much uh, decided unless Winnipeg doesn't get a point in its last two games and Nashville wins out. Winnipeg has pretty much clinched that last wildcard spot. But the battle for the Eastern wildcard spots is still in flux. Uh, Florida, 42-31-8 and eight with 92 points. They have played 81 games. The Islanders currently hold the second wildcard uh, spot. 41 wins, 31 losses, 9 OT losses, 91 points. The Penguins, they have a game in hand. Um, they've played 80 games, 40 losses, 30, sorry, 40 wins, 30 losses, 10 OT losses for 90 points. Well, this is, this is playoff hockey, man. Yeah, I mean, it'll come down to the wire. I don't think any team is guaranteed right now. Florida has, Florida is. What? They can clinch today. What? Yeah, if Pittsburgh loses. But I mean, yeah. it, nothing's guaranteed is because if Pittsburgh wins today, I mean, they're playing Chicago. Florida still has to beat uh, Carolina right now, who is still fighting for that first spot. 
Uh, if the Devils win today, the Devils will actually be ahead of the Hurricanes heading into their last game. If they lose today, Carolina clinches the yeah, division. So, I mean, I mean, still, nothing's guaranteed right now. Um, Pittsburgh, they still have to win their last two games to get in. And, I mean, the Penguins, they're not the worst team, but, you know, the, we've seen them struggle against some weaker opponents. Um, and uh, I, I definitely think... Uh, Chicago, they're not a great team, but they're going to be hungry to, to you know play spoiler. I think that these uh, these these bad teams they like playing spoiler. Yeah. And uh, I mean the Islanders also don't have um, the hardest game against Montreal, who sent out much of their players for the the Rockets playoffs. But I mean I, I don't think anything's guaranteed yet. Um, so we'll see what happens tonight if Pittsburgh wins. But uh, I, I definitely think it's going to come down to that last game of the season. So. Florida went, uh, plays Carolina next for their final game. The Islanders play Montreal last for their final game. Pittsburgh has a game in hand. So they play Chicago tonight, and then they play Columbus uh, in their final game. Obviously, the Penguins have the easiest schedule. Those are the two worst teams in the league. They win out. They basically have a wild, uh, they have a wild card spot. It all comes down to Florida and the Islanders. Um Obviously, Florida might play a stacked Carolina team, or they might play an easy Carolina team. The Islanders are going to have Montreal. It's Montreal's not the worst team ever. They're still bad, but they have some great young prospects in there. Obviously, they did send a couple of them down, but they're still a decent team. Um, final thoughts before uh, the wild card chase is decided. Uh, I'm not going to make any predictions. going to see how it plays out. I mean... I do think whoever gets the eighth seed is just gonna have a rough first round. Yeah. Um. I think out of all the teams, uh, not really being biased, the the Islanders probably the best chance against Boston just because goaltending. Um. But uh, I don't think whoever gets Boston probably loses. Um. I think whoever gets Carolina has a chance just because Carolina struggled a little bit, especially with Sveshnikov out. But I, I do think that, that the wild cards are kind of just like you make the playoffs and, you know, just to say you made the playoffs. And I don't see really any of these teams going on a huge run, even if they get in. Yeah, I think out of all of them, I think either the Panthers or the Islanders have the best chance on going on a run. Um, but I'll make a prediction to screw it. Why not? I think that it's the Penguins and the Islanders. I think the Penguins have an easy schedule. And the Islanders, I think, are going to win that final game against Montreal. And I think Panthers have a good chance against Carolina, especially knowing they their season is on the line. But I ultimately think it's the Islanders and the Penguins. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, um, if the Islanders win their last game, they just need any other teams to lose. Doesn't matter how they lose; could be overtime, regulation, shootout. Um, that's all they need. Panthers just need one point, and Pittsburgh needs to win both games to get in. Obviously, it's not easy. Of I mean, it's not hard opponents, but at the same time, it's the NHL. You never know what's going to happen. Even mm-hmm. if the Penguins lose any of those games in overtime or the shootout, then the Islanders and the Panthers getting uh, a win would put them in. So um, there's still two games left for the Penguins, and um, as easy as their opponents might be, nothing's guaranteed right now. Yeah, I agree with you, Tyler. And that's pretty much going to do it for today's or this week's uh, podcast. We might have another episode up this week. We're definitely going to have one before the playoffs uh, discussing our brackets when this whole wildcard thing gets decided and once Winnipeg clinches, we'll have it out for you. But uh, Tyler Cass, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, Tyler Cass underscore. 
And you can follow me on Twitter, ChaseBeardsley underscore. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's edition of the Desert Shift. We'll see you all guys for playoff time. <laughs> Are you excited, Tyler? I'm excited. All right. We will see you all later. Thank you guys so much. Thank you.